Mark chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. Mark 1, 1 through 8 is where we'll be this morning. And as you flip there, I want to just welcome you back to the second week of Advent. It is this week by which we are exposed to John the Baptist. So you're going to get a heavy dose of John the Baptist this morning. Also, not only that, but probably the way that we ought to begin is with a question. So here's the question. Is there anyone here other than me that needs to further develop the spiritual discipline of patience? (laughs) Right? I mean... Living in a 21st century world where there is instant gratification, waiting is not something that we do well. Whether it's in a a long line to the restroom at an event, ladies, you know what that's like, or at the DMV, Or in our local grocery stores, we probably just need to start this morning right up front and admit that we have a hard time waiting. It is difficult, waiting. In fact, some of us here this morning may be so weight conscious that when you go to the grocery store, you stress out about which line to wait in and stand in. Anybody here like that? Right, you are you begin to play this game in your mind as you stand there and you're not calm. <laughs> you're competitive. Because what you begin to do is you are watching where you would have been if you would have chosen another line. Well, if you remember two weeks ago, we talked about living a NASCAR lifestyle. Advent, you need to know right up front this morning, Advent is not a season that is conducive to living fast. It's not. Advent is a season by which the spiritual discipline of patience is brought to the forefront. The reason is, is because waiting is hard. Waiting. But waiting is just part of it, isn't it? Because interestingly, as it turns out, what you and I really hate most about waiting is what happens on the other side of waiting. Because as we wait, we grow impatient with boredom. And boredom turns to impatience, and impatience can turn into an all hosts of emotional meltdowns. Just go to shopping centers during Advent. You'll see it. People just melting down, waiting. Well, did you know that research suggests that people who have nothing to do perceive wait times to be longer than those who are distracted, (laughs) right? Distracted by reading materials or televisions or conversation. In fact, companies have spent millions of dollars figuring out ways to distract consumers. And not just consumers, but employees. Like employees that wait on elevators. What they've decided is mirrors at elevators work to distract people who are waiting for the elevator. 
Do you know that? Mirrors. Looking at ourselves in the mirror. It's a distraction. But not only that, right? TV screens at the airport as we wait. Magazines in the waiting room at a doctor's office. Little knickknacks to peruse and buy at the supermarket checkout aisle. And of course, the all-loved smartphone that we now have as we wait in traffic and smash into each other because we're not paying attention. We're texting on our smartphones. All really take the minds off of our frustration about being imprisoned by waiting. Well, you need to know the second Advent, the second Sunday Advent every year is a reminder that there is another kind of waiting. A waiting that matters. A waiting that has meaning, expectancy, waiting that has hope attached to it, like waiting for family and friends to arrive at your house or waiting for that child's first steps. Remember those days? Some of you are living in that experience right now. You're just waiting. Or perhaps it's the first words of that child, whether they're going to say mommy or whether they're going to say daddy, which is always typically daddy, just so you know, right? We're waiting. There's energy. There's excitement. Advent is a season of waiting. It's a season of preparation, not pointless waiting, but waiting with purpose, waiting that carries some expectancy, meaning, and therefore connected to preparing, Waiting in great anticipation to what is to come. So, here's what we're doing this morning. Two descriptive actions we are to do from Mark's gospel this morning in these eight verses. We are to be a people that are preparing and pointing. Preparing and pointing. So, number one, Advent waiting is actively preparing. Actively preparing. Mark opens his gospel by combining two separate prophetic texts about preparing. And if really we consider that the first verse in all likelihood is the self-proclaimed title to the gospel, then really what Mark does is he opens his gospel by pointing directly to these two heavy hitters of prophets, Isaiah and Malachi. And he, he quotes both of them here, who centuries earlier foretold Jesus' advent and prophesied concerning a messenger who would precede Jesus and what? Prepare the way of the Messiah's coming. Right? Prepare the way of the Lord. Say that with me. Prepare the way of the Lord. That's the idea. That's what Mark is, is proclaiming. That's what John is proclaiming. Prepare the way of the Lord. Mark's entire gospel begins by inviting us, in fact, urging us to prepare. To prepare the way. And he reminds us that this has always been the task of the faithful. Is preparing. Faithful people of God prepare for his way. 
They are preparing. Mark reminds us that long before Jesus' arrival in the manger, there were those with faith who for centuries were doing the work of preparation. You can go to Hebrews 11 and you can, you can hear all the long list. Moses, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the list goes on. Preparing. Faithful preparing. For centuries, they're doing the work of preparation, preparing the people for the hope of the Messiah, preparing the people to, in fact, expect the Messiah. And so John, right, arrives on the scene as one who prepares. The prophet who is sounding the trumpet, he is raising the alarm. He's saying, essentially, what? This is what you heard last week. Wake up! Right? This isn't a winter of slumber. It is a season of waking up. John plays this critical role in the gospel story. For John simultaneously points us back to the past, recalling the prophets, but he also calls us for action to his hearers in the present, and then he points us into the future, doesn't he? By saying, prepare the way. But not only that, this is what I love about John the Baptist. I love this when I was a young boy, right, is his garb. <laughs> right? What he wore, his garb. His camel's hair outfit, that is several centuries out of fashion. But it's just the kind of clothing Worn by a prophet. In fact, it was just the kind of clothing worn by a prophet centuries earlier than him in Elijah. Even his appearance is signaling to all who see him that the Messiah's arrival is what? It's imminent. It's coming. It is here. After 400 years of silence, the Messiah, John is saying, is is coming again. He's coming. This isn't some normal, right, day-to-day interaction with some Joe in the checkout line at Publix. This, This cat is different. John the Baptist is different. He's different. And he's different because of what comes out of his lips and what he wears. Because he is awakening his hearers, like us today, to a far grander, bigger, larger story than us. And it's this. Jesus Christ was born of a Virgin Mary to save sinners. And not only that, but get this. He's coming again. (laughs) And I'm going to be there. And I can't wait. May it be today, right? Don't you, are you like me? Just kind of like today, today's the day. It's got to be today. Lord, make it today. Please. John's saying repent, confess sin, prepare the way of the Lord. Advent waiting is actively preparing. Secondly, Advent waiting is actively pointing. John not only calls us to repent, prepare the, for the Lord's coming, but he's also pointing wanderers to Jesus. John's role as the one who points to Jesus is one that is to be imitated. 
We are to be pointers, right? We should have all came this morning to church with those big, right, those big styrofoam pointers. Wouldn't that have been awesome? Like pointing people to Jesus. Go to Jesus. And he's preaching what? He's pointing people to Jesus by preaching what? After me comes what? He who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to what? To stoop down. I can't even stoop to that level and untie his sandals. Not worthy. And our job is to point to Jesus and to actively work to prepare for Jesus. And not just for baby Jesus, right? Advent isn't just about the manger. Teach our children about the manger. Any children in our lives, you teach them about the manger, but it's also, right, big Jesus, mature Jesus, who came to proclaim the good news of God's kingdom at hand. And how did he proclaim it? I have come not to be served, but what? But to serve and give my life as a ransom for many. Christmas comes, you know, each year, doesn't it? Each year, it just ticks by. It comes as a draw. Lord willing to draw people in from the cold. Like tiny frightened sparrows who are shivering in the winter cold, many live their lives on the barren branches of heartbreak. Every Christmas. Heartbreak, disappointment, loneliness, thoughts of shame, self-pity, guilt, failure. For many, Christmas is the loneliest and most depressing time of the year. Families of those in prison Prisoners themselves, the aged, the hospitalized, the dying, men and women in our armed forces, adults still haunted by frightening memories of their childhood, recently widowed men, women. For most, Christmas can become a little more than just a selfish, greedy, un- satisfying experience. And the question is why? Why is this so? Why? Well, it's because they have failed to feel the warmth of the Savior's love. Because Christ is not a part of their lives. And perhaps it's because the church does not do a good enough job of pointing them to Jesus. Perhaps that's it. We're just as consumer minded as everyone else <laughs> running the rat race of this life. And we're not pointing people to the cross. We're not pointing them to the empty tomb. We're not pointing them to the hope of all 
mankind. The peace, right? Peace and goodwill to what? All mankind. We'll point them to Jesus. From me to you and from you back to me. We need to point them to Jesus, don't we? We need to point and we just need to keep pointing and keep pointing and keep pointing. Be like John. Advent preparation is hard work, but it's, but it's our work. Preparing for the promised Christ and pointing to Jesus is our lifelong work, isn't it? And as we wait on the Lord, we wait with the Lord. I love David for this reason. David frequently underscored the benefits of solitude, the benefits of waiting on the Lord. We're waiting on the Lord. Certain that he became acquainted with this discipline as he watched his father's sheep, the pastures of life. Later during those tumultuous years when King Saul was borderline insane and raged by jealousy trying to kill him, David found his time with God not only a needed refuge, but as means of survival. And he wrote these words, hear these words, wait for the Lord be strong. Let your heart take courage. Yes, wait on the Lord. Well, brothers and sisters, during this season of Advent, may we actively be preparing, actively pointing for our coming King as we wait with the Lord. May God bless the proclamation of his word this morning. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.